Why on earth would someone die rather than eat pork, as we saw in the first reading? It's a fair question. Is eating pork really so bad? Is it really worth dying over? It's a good question, and I'm sure it was on the mind of King Antiochus IV. He is the unnamed king from our first reading and his attendants as they marveled at these seven brothers and their mother who are willing to die rather than eat pork. Why? Well, our first reading gives us three reasons why. First, we are told that eating pork is in violation of the law. It is transgressing the law of their ancestors. Now, that is no longer the case. St. Paul in his letter to the Galatians tells us that the observance of the ceremonial laws, such as circumcision or the dietary laws, this has been abrogated, repealed by Christ, and is no longer binding. Now, the moral law, the moral commandments, like the Ten Commandments, those are still binding because those are revealed by God uh, as connected to our nature and connected to our very purpose. Uh, Adultery can never be okay. Murder in and of itself can never be okay. Eating pork is not intrinsically wrong. It can be okay, and that's why God eventually does abrogate, repeal that law. All that being said, the first reason that they give why they're willing to die is eating pork at this time, 150 or so years before Christ was born, is still a violation of God's law. Okay, it's a violation of God's law, but is it really so serious that you have to die over? That brings us to the second point. When the issue is forced, we must choose to obey God rather than men. In our first reading, we only hear from three brothers. Uh, If you read the full passage, you hear from all seven brothers and you hear from their mother. But one of the brothers that we do hear from, he informs Antiochus that it is for his laws that we are dying. His laws, of course, refers to God's laws because there is an infinitely higher authority than the very greatest human authority. That's God himself. And often there is not a conflict between being a good citizen of a nation and being faithful to God. But when there is such a conflict, we must choose to obey God rather than men. We must, as St. Thomas More said before his martyrdom, uh, die the king's good servants, but God's first. Why should we obey God rather than men? That brings us to the third reason. All three of the brothers that we hear from, they cite the resurrection of the dead as a reason for their willingness to face death. And though we don't see it in our first reading, the mother also speaks throughout this passage. She's forced to watch as her sons are executed one by one for refusing to eat pork, and she is the last one executed. And when she speaks, she very heroically encourages her sons to be faithful, and she encourages them to place their hope in the resurrection from the dead. Then finally, one of the brothers we hear in this reading, he turns to Antiochus and he says, That for him, for Antiochus, there will be no resurrection to life. Here's what I'm getting at. There was a late 20th century French writer, Leon Blois, who wrote 
that the only real sadness, the only real failure, the only great tragedy in life is not to become a saint. The very purpose of our life, the very reason we're here, is to know, love, and serve God and to be happy with him forever in the next life and to do so heroically. And Jesus says in the Gospel of John that the hour is coming, the last day, in which all who are in their tombs will hear his voice and will come out, those who have done good deeds to the resurrection of life, but those who have done wicked deeds to the resurrection of condemnation. On that day, it won't matter how much power or wealth we've accumulated. It won't matter how much favor we've curried with the world or how much respect we think we've earned. But it will matter if we have allowed God to transform us into saints, if we have sought to love God and neighbor with all our heart, mind, and soul. These are the reasons why seven brothers and their mother were willing to die rather than eat pork. But I think the real question that ought to be asked is why a king would force his subjects to eat pork under penalty of death. That's a question which gets to the very heart of the two books of the Maccabees from the Old Testament. They speak of a very tumultuous time in Israel's history. And as I mentioned, this is about 150, 175 years before Christ was born. Antiochus IV, he ruled the Seleucid Empire. A lot of people haven't heard of it. It was a Greek state in the Middle East, uh, covering a good chunk of the Middle East. And he wanted to unify his empire with Greek culture and Greek religion. So he forced the subjects of his empire to adopt Greek ways, including Greek religion. Israel, sadly, is part of this empire, so people must decide, are we going to be faithful to the covenant, or are we going to adopt these Greek ways? Sadly, a surprising number of Israel, Israelites decided to go along to get along, to get with the times, so to speak, and adopt these Greek ways, but the there were, of course, a group of hardy um, Israelites who were zealous for the covenant for God and resisted this, this unjust imposition. You know, a few years back, Pope Francis gave a homily on the Maccabees, and he likened Antiochus' persecution to what he called ideological colonization. That's something he's spoken about a lot during his papacy. What is it? Ideological colonization refers to efforts by um, wealthy nations, Western nations, culturally dominant nations to pressure developing countries to adopt uh, worldview values that are, that are contrary to their own. For example, there are crisis relief programs um, that do good work, but they've told African nations in need, yes, we'll give you aid, but you must pass out contraception en masse. You must allow and encourage abortion. Or governments and organizations have threatened to withdraw necessary aid if countries continue to uphold traditional views on marriage and sexuality. And frankly, most of the time when Francis uses this phrase, ideological colonization, he's referring to gender ideology. The idea that a person can have a gender apart from their biological sex and the insistence uh, by these organizations and governments that it be taught in schools. Ideological colonization, it isn't just a problem abroad, it's a problem within our own culture. Because we're living in a society that's grown increasingly intolerant to those who dissent from the spirit of the age. Growing increasingly insistent that people signal 
they affirm these radical new shifts in morality. But Pope Francis would tell us that the remedy for ideological colonization is the same that it was for the Maccabees, witness. The word martyr comes from the Greek word for witness. Now, we probably won't be asked to lay down our life for our faith. Very few believers really are. But whenever we bear witness, it will cost us. It may be a, nothing more than a dirty look or, or some social ostracization, but it will cost us. Jesus told us it would. He said, in the world you will have trouble, but take courage, I've overcome the world. And he said, if the world hates you, realize that it hated me first. But it's the resurrection that gives us the strength to endure these hardships, be they uh, endure them a heroic level like the Maccabees, or on a, on a much more mundane level, as is more common today. The British Catholic writer G.K. Chesterton, he once wrote that a dead thing can go with the stream, but only a living thing can go against it. And it's this faith in the resurrection that enables us to swim against the tide, to bear witness to the truth with charity. We don't need to be obnoxious about it. These are sensitive issues, but we must be willing to bear witness to the truth of the faith with charity. We can't go along to get along with the spirit of the age. We must choose to obey God rather than men, realizing that the only real tragedy in life is not to become a saint. So let us bear witness to the truth so that on the last day we may rise in Christ to the resurrection of eternal life.